Live from the NixCast Phanthropological Institute, we're talking about the KISS Army. Everybody and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fan's eye view to you. Today we are talking about the Kiss Army, and here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I they call me Doctor Love, or Nick T. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and Z. Hey, uh, they just call me the Star Child. <laughs> Waiting to be a star man. Huh. Yes. Yep have to play on that guitar a little bit more and then i'll grow into a starman <laughs> that's the dream starman super even starman super yeah or dx Deluxe. or gt Ooh. Ooh. well i mean i might have the sword of kings if i uh i'm a starman dx so i don't know if i'll need that uh those other names or the other uh letters earthbound I fandom did, I, we should definitely I, 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 do that <laughs> didn't take very long to get uh, sidetracked into super nintendo jrpg <laughs> this week's episode I mean, is on Super Nintendo JRPGs. <laughs> huh? 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 As as is every episode. Everyone loves when we completely change the topic before we get started. <laughs> we should mm-hmm. we should have keep the titles for our episodes, but every time just talk about <laughs> Super Nintendo JRPGs, <laughs> like a new one each week, but the same topic. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, I mean, I was going to say, well, sure, Super, Super Nintendo RPGs, but uh, KISS, you know, KISS might as well have been my Super Nintendo RPGs, but uh, I was too busy playing Super Nintendo RPGs. My point being, KISS, what a lot of kids got into, and then they were still into it, into adulthood. <laughs> well, you know, uh, when it comes to segues, uh, you can go down to Z's Segway Emporium and... Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a load of them. They're not always the best segues, but they were made by Z. Yes. See, my favorite part about the stories you tell is when you then have to explain your stories. <laughs> uh. So this week we are talking about Fans of Kiss, which actually has a name, Kiss Army. Uh, it's weird because every time we bring up the name of a fandom or something, I'm like, how do you not know this? And the answer is because you're probably listening to this podcast because you don't know about a lot of fandoms. That's true. Uh, But in any case, the KISS Army is the official fan club for the American rock band KISS, of course, as well as the unofficial name used to refer to KISS fans in general. Mm -hmm. It was started unofficially in 1975 by two folks in Indiana who were trying to get more KISS played on their local radio station. After being repeatedly turned down, they started calling in and writing letters signed, the KISS Army. And about six months later, the station started playing more KISS, often referring to KISS Army, and... uh, people started asking how to enlist. Those two people being Bill Starkey and Jay Evans. Fortunately, the Kiss Navy was not near as successful. <laughs> but what about the Kiss Marines? <laughs> Kiss Air Force. Everyone can agree that the Kiss Air Force is just the <laughs> the least hardworking of the group. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately. Yep, they really bombed. <laughs> Speaking of bombed... Let's move on. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't realize when we began that the Kiss Army was like a specific 
thing. Like it's like it's the name of their fan club now, but it started as as two dudes claiming to be the Kiss Army. Yeah, which I, I guess made them the Kiss Army because no one else was claiming to be them. Mm-hmm. I guess they must have done so to intimidate the radio station somewhat. Well, it took them six months to intimidate the radio station, <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> I mean, as far as fan campaigns go, that sounds like a really effective way to go about things, because mm-hmm. people have been harping on bringing back Firefly for years, and we still don't have that. I'm sure a petition must have circled with enough names that the White House had to address it. <laughs> <laughs> Dear President Trump, please bring <laughs> back Firefly. I, I'm almost certain... I think it was at Obama's inauguration. Someone had a sign that just said, Obama, bring back Arrested Development. <laughs> he did. And he delivered. Yeah. He did deliver. <laughs> so, point is, it works. <laughs> yep. But, like, even even seeing that was, like, weird, because I can't imagine Kiss not being played on the radio, like, all, like on classic rock stations, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. But this was 1975. This was before Kiss uh, was any kind of popular. Yep. It was also before Kiss was, uh, what, well, the brand of music that they were playing was sort of accepted. Since at first I'm pretty mm. sure they were they were marketed or labeled as metal because they were so heavy. I have a feeling that people from today might take contention with calling Kiss metal. But I also don't know very much about the different genres of music and the delineation between them all. When you get into rock delineation, it's very fine. I think, you know, Kiss, if they weren't considered metal, they were metalheads to like them. Like, Led Zeppelin was considered metal at one point. Yeah. Uh, you know, Black Sabbath considered to be the first metal band. is very... I don't know if if there was a lot of... If metal itself was like a, a hard and fast thing mm-hmm. back in that day. But it was just like people who rocked. Yeah. You know? People like that. Oh, yeah. I'm having flashbacks to watching Detroit Rock City right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait, what were they like? Oh, yes, they were like that. (laughs) (laughs) That is what they were like. That's an example. I enjoyed that movie. Never seen it. Really? Yeah. should give it a watch. Yeah, probably will. One of the interesting things that I I found out uh, doing the research for the podcast this week was I didn't know that there was any particular significance. Like, talking about Kiss, the band, not talking about the fans of Kiss for a moment, I didn't know that the the makeup actually had any particular significance. I just thought it was their their whole play at just being different, just being, you know, really... I, I want to say flamboyant, but I don't have a better word. So, flamboyant. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out that um, Paul Stanley was the star child because he is a hopeless romantic and a starry-eyed lover Hmm. that gene simmons the demon because of his dark-humored fire-breathing sexual monstrosity apparently peter chris the cat man was named because of a rough childhood which gave him a reputation for having nine lives yeah right uh and ace freely loves science fiction and is on stage persona supposedly from another planet. And that's why he's the spaceman slash the space ace. And I didn't know any of that because, you know, I just thought that Kiss was a band that played music and dressed up in makeup. 
I mean, those things are all true. Uh, yeah, sure. But there's <laughs> slightly more to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> those different personas really held everything together. From what I can see, people talking people talking in their in their their threads and things like that. That one of the things Kiss was it's like you know, you had, you know, the makeup. It's it's not the same thing quite as like a Bowie or a Mark mm-hmm. Bolin or a Roxy Music or anything like that. But it was like the first guys to combine that that, you know, makeup and theatricality with just like straight like rock and roll. Like you mm-hmm. know, Led Zeppelin like old style rock and roll. Like big simple heavy riffs and things like that. Yeah, it wasn't anything artsy like what Bowie was doing. Kiss did not have a a Berlin trilogy of, of albums where he where they experimented with weird soundscapes and that kind of thing. Just from no, sir. from album one to their most recent album. You know, they've just been cranking out that rock. When did Freddie Mercury ride around on Darth Vader? Oh man. I'm that's pretty sure that's a big question. Okay, I'm pretty sure that wasn't about theatricality. I'm pretty sure someone was just dressed up like Darth Vader and but I was just trying to figure out if what how that ties into the the timeline, but it it I don't think it happens till much later on. Well, he never liked Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> there is no respect for the office of Vader. You know, all this talk about the the Kiss Army and the theatricality and such um brings me to some of the stuff that I dug up through my researching. And um, I know we didn't do this much with uh, The Grateful Dead, but I did find one uh, fairly notable, not necessarily celebrity, but well-known person who joined the Kiss Army when they officially revived in 2007. And that person is none other than Condoleezza Rice. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, a little... Former Secretary of State. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, even people that high up in government know how to rock. <laughs> I So in my research, I found an article, and I have no idea if it's true or not. I couldn't tell if it was parody or not, because mm-hmm. that is the strange world in which some news resides. <laughs> it was talking about... It was uh, Mike Huckabee about how um, young people shouldn't enlist in Kiss Army until after Obama leaves office. <laughs> <laughs> so what? given the nature of that i really couldn't tell if it was parody or not what? like if it was some ah. sort of commentary on the army because apparently the obama administration wasn't very positive towards kiss army i'm i'm guessing it was parody one hopes yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a really strange article that i came across <laughs> that is weird Similarly strange, although perhaps not, uh, well, I don't think it's parody at all, but the uh, the hometown of Jay Evans and Bill Starkey actually declared November 21st, 2010, as the first official Kiss Army Day. So they've all been unofficial up to this point? Up to this point, yes. But from 2010 till now, official Dang. Kiss Army Day, November 21st, over there in Terre Haute. Man, oh man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that must be awful to live in that town for that day. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, because people are going to want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Like, nothing is happening. It's, people will just be either rock rock and rolling or partying. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's either great or terrible, depending on what you want to do. The next day is the is even worse. Oh, man. Because of yeah. all the hangovers. <laughs> I don't say what happens after. Nope. Or does it just continue endlessly? <laughs> Official Kiss Army recovery day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think it wouldn't be out of line if they had one of those. <laughs> well, then again, if you're partying all day and then rocking all night, you know, you party during the day. And then you just work it all out of your system while you're rocking, you know? Work what out of your system? Uh, the booze, the drugs, <laughs> hair of the dog. The sadness. Well, I mean, after you've gotten through National Kiss Army Day or Kiss Army Day or official Kiss Army Day, that's what yes. I'm looking for, then clearly you just work your way into Lover Boy Weekend. <laughs> Everybody's working for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's true. Guys, I'm quickly exhausting my music-related punditry. (laughs) Now, does it mean that everyone is working in order to achieve the goal of the weekend, or on the weekend (laughs) everyone is going to be working? I think it's the former rather than the latter. But they're working for the weekend. Maybe the weekend is some sort of shadowy organization. The weekend is a pop R&B singer from Toronto. Oh, man. (laughs) You've just blown Z's mind. <laughs> yeah. Why am I working for that person? I don't know. They make some pretty good music. Well. pretty They're pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Wicked Games, good song. Um, I mean, we can riff on the idea of Kiss. Yep. For a long time, apparently. <laughs> I'm a bit surprised by that, but only a little bit. <laughs> Bringing us back on track, if that's where we want to be. What is it, do you think? about kiss do you think that makes them have the kind of fandom that they do i would have thought that much like the grateful dead that kiss and their fans is just something that will gradually taper off over time and just mm-hmm. cease to be oh, uh, evidently i am wrong there are still many people who are still very interested in kiss that have willingly joined the kiss army and participate in that going to not kiss con as i would have thought <laughs> <laughs> This con is something different. Entirely different. So why, like, as every week we try to get into the why of a fandom, mm-hmm. what is it about Kiss that draws in the fans? Well, if if I might, uh, in the first part of my answer, ignore your question, <laughs> but then get back to it in the second part of my answer. <laughs> okay. The first, the first, okay, this is all in reference to one article that I came across called Everlasting Kiss. The Branding of the World's Most Commercial Band by Sandra Canosa, written on January tw- or written on June 29th, 2015. And in this article, I found something that was really shocking when I read it. This whole idea, and uh, Gene Simmons, this is coming from Gene Simmons himself, that um, at some point he realized, the band realized, it's not them that is Kiss, it's the characters that they play. So... At some point in the 2000s, Ace Freely and uh, Peter Chris, I think, had both sold the rights to their, their character makeup. Mm. Basically saying, you know, you guys, Gene and Paul, you just, the two people who sort of stuck with Kiss, you two just, you know, you can use these characters, you can give them to new people, whatever. I don't know if that did it or if just Gene had this idea the whole time, but he has openly admitted at least, at least once, and it's cited in this article, that, you know, he's getting older. So his plan is just to audition somehow a bunch of people for the next 
wave of Kiss. And then Kiss can just, in theory, be an everlasting band. Whoa. With these personas constantly being played by new musicians. The Doctor Who of bands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and without getting into that too much, I'm just going to say <laughs> that in Doctor Who, you have new stories. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So I'm really wondering what the second half, second half. of Z's story okay. Unless he told it and I missed it. I did not. Second half. I'm going to get a little psychological here. Because uh, oh you know, reading ahead on Reddit, there was mention of the idea that, you know, people liked Kiss because it annoyed their parents. Mm-hmm. And back in the 70s, when, you know, you might not have been in a big house or houses were designed differently, so that when you were hanging out after school or whatever, your parents would be there too. So you'd play Kiss to either get them out of the room or to th- for them you know, to get them to tell you, hey, listen to that junk up in your room so you can get some privacy. So maybe Kiss gained such a following because they were like this extreme heavy band at the time. So kids listened to them to get some some form of privacy at home. And then, you know, as their teenage years go on and like they start hanging out with people outside of the house and whatever, their fandom kind of wanes, but then comes back when they're older because the music that you listen to during like those sort of really uh, culturally psychological formative years, you know, in your early teens, tweens kind of kind of period comes back and sort of sticks in your brain throughout your life. That is why there are still fans of Kiss. What band is better equipped to like frustrate, annoy and terrify parents <laughs> than Kiss? Yeah. They're demonic. You know, they have they have weird freaky kabuki paint. Yeah. They're wearing like tight leather jumpsuits. They have armor. Yeah. They spit blood. They have flamethrowers. <laughs> All of their songs are pretty much just about having sex. Yeah. And yeah. The, you know, just love that basic uh like hard riffs and like incredibly loud and like everything is you know everything a teenager is like wants and everything that is like the opposite of what their parents represent to them mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's you know key band for rebellion plus once that gets you in the door you have these personas they're, you know they're not just people they're they're personas yeah and they have characters and they have characters with personalities and yeah. you know like not always but sometimes they, they have a little bit of the fantastical a little bit of the mystical in their lyrics as well mm-hmm. which you know some people really gravitate towards so like yeah i mean i get it yeah and in uh classic rock fashion they've got the songs that like will rock your face off but then they also have the slower songs that seem you know more contemplative more like you know this singer is thinking about something very deep the lighter songs yeah 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 i mean that makes sense what's interesting when you're describing that to me is that Something like that is really hard to reproduce today, mm-hmm. not the least of which is because the music scene today is completely different, yeah. yeah, but also because you're not in a scenario where you know you are in the same room as your your parents and you have to listen to them. I'm listening yeah. to this to us talk via headphones that are wireless, yeah, not to say that those didn't exist, but just that you know I've already isolated myself. My parents, if I was that age, would never be like hey, stop listening to that because they have no idea what I'm listening to. Yeah. If eight people stand in the same room, listen to all different things. Like, Oh, man, yeah. Have one of those 
one of those uh, iPod dance parties or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I still do those. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, also, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Where everybody just gets together to like hang out and groove and dance, but everyone's listening to their own music. Is that a thing? It's a thing. What? I thought you were just talking about the commercials. Oh, that'd be cool too. Uh, no, I'm, I mean, like, never mind. Everyone listening to the to the to the same music would 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 unify everybody and, and create a commonality that everyone can use that on which to to start engaging in dance and socialization and everything like that. Let's just everyone listen to their own music, but be near each other, which is just life, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean another thing that makes that difficult to reproduce today, and this is something that Gene Simmons kind of harps on, is is uh, people stealing music. I, people don't even talk about it oh. as stealing music anymore. They're just like, I listen to it on music service. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But like that that entirely changed the game too, which I did not do any research into, and maybe Kiss isn't the best group to talk about that with. But I like the only thing, like the only real effect that I can see that having on a band like kiss and and like the growth of their fandom is that after the kiss army took off um when they released their next album which i think was destroyer they actually included like a little order form or sign-up sheet or something for kiss army with the album so if you wanted you know of course they didn't have the internet back then so like mail-in and newspaper ads or magazine ads or uh, album inserts would be the only way to really reach people but like if you're selling albums or trying to sell albums but nobody's buying them because they're just downloading your songs you can't advertise to them oh that's fair i mean i think what i was referring to is there was an article i was reading for the research and i was talking about how gene simmons was talking about how it'd be hard to make a new kiss like a kiss of today because mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't be able to to build up that that kind of history yeah i mean it's very difficult to have a really big band that wasn't already big before um the playing field has been leveled a bit yeah everyone can find the exact type of music that they want to listen to yeah and are listening to it yeah so instead of a bunch of people gravitating to a band like kiss because you know 30 percent of that big group of people likes their heavy songs, 30% likes their their later songs, and then the other uh, 40% dislikes it all, you know, those different groups are going to gravitate towards bands that are more specific. Yes. All right, so sounds like, you know, one of the big parts of the why is offense parents, <laughs> like very, like large note offense parents, and that's cool. And that gives you a bunch of people who are interested and their interest persists to today. You know, the music being popular in the 1970s. So what you probably people would have been between like 10 and 20 years old listening to Kiss. Yeah. So that was 40 ish years ago. So those people are in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. Still Kiss fans. Still young Kiss fans. Can't all just be those original listeners and their children. There are actually. And uh, I found a Kiss online the official KISS site. On the site, there's a section called Letters. And what it is, is it's just a place where the band or the band's PR person or whoever posts messages that the band gets from fans. 
And a lot of these are, are pictures of people's tattoos, which, you know, a lot of them are really elaborate or just like really incredible because they take up a whole, per like a whole forearm or it's crazy. Um, but one in particular was from a young boy uh, by the name of Tyler, who gave his age as being as eight, included a few pictures of him in uh, Gene Simmons' uh, makeup and armor in the whole costume. And one of the first things that he mentioned about the band that he liked so much was that they have the best makeup ever. <laughs> so even at that age, it's not like the, it's not just about the music. It's about something in how they express themselves through the costumes and the personas and just the whole stage presence. Okay. As you mentioned that, I'm like thinking about some of the music that I like. And I was reminded of Tupperware Remix Party, who I did not know wore costumes. But when I think about the concert that I didn't end up going to at Con Bravo, they wear costumes. The Proto Men, mm -hmm. their whole shtick is, is Mega Man-esque kind of music. But they also wear like something between Queen and Kiss in terms of their theatricality. Mm -hmm. Like they all have stage personas and, and makeup and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is something to that. People like a show. I was going to say that's why their their first live album made them so popular, but you can't see them on the live album. I mean, I guess you can look <laughs> at the pictures. Yeah. But it was... Yeah. Well, they still have a reputation. Yeah, for being an incredibly energetic, mm -hmm. you know, raw, powerful live band. And there's not a lot to ponder on with their music. It just hits you immediately and you like either get it or you don't. Yeah. Okay, using simple uh I'm gonna talk about it a little later, you know, you could you could play you could play a radiohead or an eight year old, but they're not gonna it might not make <laughs> them feel much except for like sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean you could you could play Kiss for an eight year old, they get it immediately. Like, yeah. Yeah, somewhere I remember reading that uh, Gene himself had mentioned that the reason why he brought the band back together, or at least tried to in the mid nineties was that he was, you know, going to the conventions, um, just kind of going around, looking at the different musical acts and that kind of thing. And he was noticing that there were a lot of Kiss tribute bands around and that they were, you know, really drawing in crowds. So I guess he f he figured, well, there must still be a demand for this Kiss thing. <laughs> well, I mean, without saying too much about him, Gene Simmons, a man very much motivated by money. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's gone on record as saying that. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. <laughs> Man, I, and that, uh, that article about them being the an everlasting, the most commercial band ever, um, the author pulled out a really good quote from a comment he made directly addressing people who say that Kiss just sells out. And Gene Simmons said, yeah, we sell out. We sell out our concerts every night. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I mean... <laughs> fantastic i mean <laughs> but that's definitely something they got a lot of flack for and yet fans uh, stood by them the whole idea that with all this this big stage show emphasis the flamethrowers the goblets of blood and like the costumes and the makeup a lot of the, the rock critics were you know saying this isn't really rock and roll it's just a bunch of guys in makeup dancing around with pyrotechnics i mean if you had turned the music off and watched it on mute, you'd probably think it was a little silly. <laughs> <laughs> but in the context of them playing, it's fine. Like, it's 
It's you yeah. know, it's Alice Cooper and Ozzy Osbourne and <laughs> yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It feels like like selling out is like compromising your ideals for more money. And I feel like I feel like Kiss as a band, they got more popular and their stage shows became more elaborate. I feel like they didn't change what they were doing. Not really, no. I mean, again, that same article, it makes the point that what made them so easily merchandisable, so to speak, was that the band is made up of these different personas. So it's not like you're getting a Gene Simmons action figure. You're getting an action figure of the demon. Yeah. And the article makes the point that it doesn't, it, that sort of thing doesn't really work with Bob Dylan, for example, <laughs> because Bob Dylan isn't just a persona. It's, he's a real person. With you know right. three dimensionality, <laughs> you mean, that you mean Robert Zimmerman, Albert Einstein, whoa, whoa, Robert Zimmerman, whoa, what? Who? Robert? What? Who? I don't know what, what you're you talking, talking about. about. Robert Zimmerman. I actually. Bob Dylan's real name about. is Robert Zimmerman. Oh, aka the Demon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was making a point about we do have action figures for real people, True. like for Albert Einstein and Gandhi. And Nikola Tesla. I feel like they are ironic and only college kids buy them. Yeah. I mean, you're probably <laughs> right. Even if even if they weren't ironic, I mean, those people are remembered for very specific things. And not only can you get the demon, you can get the star child and the camera. Yeah, the... yeah. And I mean, it wasn't just action figures, though. I mean, it was everything. Yeah, yeah. Did they have a kiss copter? A kiss copter. Is that a thing? <laughs> Please like, tell me it's a thing. Google, what do you say? <laughs> Time for a favorite segment. Google on the show. <laughs> Is it a thing? Oh, it's a thing, my friend. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. They were, there was what? Kiss was in a cartoon show, right? Yeah. With a superhero? Marvel? Was it Marvel? Couldn't have been DC. Uh, probably not. Marvel, but like, yeah. Kiss is... Cartoon show. There's four distinct personalities. You can pick your favorite and then argue with your friends about it. That's my favorite part. <laughs> it is the best part. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways to show different ways to show your kiss mania. Yeah, you can brush up on some history. Uh, get some get some kiss comic books. Apparently, in 1978, they each all released a solo album. Huh. So you could argue about which one of those you liked best. <laughs> Kisscopter exists as both a real helicopter and also a toy. <laughs> that makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're ready for it all, you can call him up and say, Hey, Kiss, I'm about to go to the big show in the sky. Give me one of those Kiss caskets. Oh, which is also a real thing that I learned about. Yeah. Separately. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't worry, you can use it as a cooler. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess you could. No, I mean, that was legitimately when somebody was like, isn't that kind of, like, awful? Just not both <laughs> at the same time, then I think it's fine. <laughs> Boy. Okay, so it sounds like there there's some why to why people are fans of KISS. I, when I was doing my research, what I struggled with was figuring out how much of a fandom there is outside of KISS itself. Like most things, you can obviously find people who love a thing, who, who like, go to see the thing, um, imitate the thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's kind of the extent of it. And 
that's no less of any any fandom it's just a lot harder to talk about because because there's there's less there's not like homestuck where you're making these fandoms inside fandoms and it gets very meta very quickly no there's just you know people dress up as kiss people do kiss cover bands people buy the albums and listen to them people go see them in concert i mean it's more passive than some of the ones we've talked about yeah dressing up certainly isn't passive but uh no no but, no uh, no but it's also fairly limited i mean there's one source yeah there's one source well, oh there's, yeah, yeah there's one source but there's also one sort of occasion too right mm-hmm. except for maybe halloween yeah but in all of my years going to anime conventions i don't think i've ever seen a kiss cosplayer i've seen a klingon yeah oh yeah but never never a kiss cosplayer i mean that that is what i find interesting about fandoms in general right so in terms of talking a little bit as we have about the kiss army it seems like distinctiveness in terms of like the culture from the thing is not super distinctive because as you said people will dress up sure but they'll dress up when they go to a game just like there'll be sports fans who dress up when the game is played on tv or when they go to the game Mm -hmm. but generally like i don't know unless you're wearing a jersey you wouldn't wear like leafs body paint every day (laughs) that's just not a thing that people do no you wouldn't get yourself surgically altered to look like barbie um sorry i mean you wouldn't you well you know what i mean I, yeah people yeah. would do that but they wouldn't do that for kiss no unless i'm wrong maybe i don't know if you two found something to that okay. extent i did not now I did not find anything to that extent but i did find something else all right you've got my interest this is this is how kiss fans engage right here Attention, Kiss Navy. Are you ready to join us on another wild rockin' vacation of a lifetime with your leaders, Kiss? The seventh mission of the Kiss Cruise will be filled with tons of music, camaraderie, and Kiss-themed activities. Oh, man. That reminds me of ships and dips. (laughs) (laughs) Is that just a cruise where you sample various dips? No, it's a thing that the bare naked ladies used to participate in. Oh. But I don't think it was strictly bare naked ladies themed. Uh, it was just like a thing they were part or of. Or Jonathan Colton's <laughs> Joko Cruise Crazy. Wait, is that a thing? <laughs> yep. Ah. Oh. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. We're missing out on the world of fan cruises. <laughs> Apparently. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Kiss Cruise 7. Jeez. Launches November 5th, 2017. Wow. From New Orleans. Nolans, as they say. As they do say in Nolans. Yeah. I can only imagine what kind of stage show they'd put on in international waters. <laughs> Who knows? Anything goes. going to say something about biting the head off of a <laughs> bat, but that's the wrong artist. Will, will they be in international waters? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Although that could make for a very, uh, very gripping you know, maybe webisode or web special, Kiss versus the Pirates. Oh, man. Ooh. So I apologize what I said before about the Kiss Navy. Because <laughs> it's a thing. Oh, because it's yep. a thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are ranks as well. What? This is based <laughs> on how many times you attended the Kiss Cruise. <laughs> and you will get a dog tag that says as such. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about it. Wow. So 
in my research, I found out that when you join the Kiss Army, you get dog tags. Yeah. Because hmm. you're part of, quote, the army, quote. So. Fair enough. The Navy is the same. Hmm. What if Kiss Navy and the village people decided to team up hmm. for one last job? Oh, man. Last job? Like a heist? Yeah. A heist in international a... waters? Yes. <laughs> You know, village people would be up on decks in the Kiss Navy, singing in the Navy. Yeah, <laughs> village people would be up on deck singing in the Navy. Uh, Kiss is below deck, setting things up. Yeah. So they do one of those things where they like sidle up next to a ship and then drill a hole through <laughs> their ship and then the other ship and create a little tunnel. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, so unfortunately, it doesn't seem like KISS fandom is super distinctive, but I am now super excited that KISS Navy is a thing. <laughs> KISS fans, we are waiting on KISS Air Force, KISS Marines, KISS SEAL. <laughs> KISS, I don't, KISS Coast Guard. I don't know what any of those things are going to do, but I'm sure you will be really amazing at them. KISS fans will line every corner of this earth. The KISS Army Reserves. <laughs> In some military position. <laughs> Kiss Space Marines. Yes. Actually, that would that would be very fitting. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would work really well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone's painted a Space Marine to look like Kiss. Oh, probably. All right. Z, I heard that you might have a fan of the week, and I heard that they might be about Kiss Space Marines. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, cannot disclose any of that information right now. I don't know that you have uh, the clearance for those documents unfortunately okay well do you have a backup i would be okay with the backup um, it was me that had it oh yeah well forget you g forget you z <laughs> g tell me about kiss space marines all right so uh, in my research i typed i just i just went on my knees and said hey google <laughs> throw me throw me a bone here i just said why do you why do people like Kiss? And then I added the band because I would just get why do people like kissing otherwise? Because <laughs> it's great. Kissing is great. <laughs> However, all that came up was why is Kiss the worst band? Why do people hate Kiss so much? And I stumbled on the Reddit thread called Kiss is a terrible <laughs> band. Why are they popular? Why were they ever popular? Those people like, oh man, yo, oh, they're so what? It's all like like two chords or whatever, man. It's so like, oh, they're just like a big corporate thing or whatever and then we have uh derek the rock 42 who posts i'm kind of baffled by this post i agree that kiss is insanely (laughs) but even for all music geeks who have good taste is it really that hard to believe that people like rock and roll all night (laughs) Well, the equivalent to mathematicians at r math who can't understand why people don't know the basic things they discuss or the nerds at r technology who can't possibly understand why anybody in the world would want an ipad instead of a regular windows tablet or in many cases windows instead of linux We've built up a huge network of friends, blogs, online communities, what have you, who all pride themselves in loving the Black Keys and hating Kiss. Once we do that, we isolate ourselves from the rest of the world who enjoys a good Kiss song and has never heard of the Black Keys before and neither have their friends. Uh, This subreddit is seriously full of music nerds. That's not a bad thing. I'm one of them. But it's odd that we're so baffled by America's preference of very simple, repetitive pop songs with no serious musical structure as opposed to something more complex and challenging like Mozart or Radiohead. And yes, those were the two examples he used for complex uh, (laughs) musical structures, Mozart and Radiohead. That was the end of post. Yeah. 
And it's not super pro-kiss. No. However, he's right. Like, it's not like, oh, how did people ever, like... Like, I think, I think as we've kind of outlined this episode, it's pretty obvious why people like Kiss. There's something to like about them. Yeah. Like, if you put it on at a party, it, you, yeah, you're having a good time. Yeah. It's, that's what it's for. It's, yeah, exactly. It's the kind of music that's, you know, really easy to get into, even if you've never heard it before. If uh, mm. rock and roll all night comes on, you're probably going to get up and dance. You might wind up singing along by the, the end, because it's pretty simple mm-hmm. to pick up. It's just that kind of music. Yeah. I mean that is a fantastic thread to read through, even to just flip through bits and pieces. And it's not it's not just like as as you know, as I just read, it's not just people like hating no. on KISS. It's like good it's like interesting discussion. There's like a little bit of historical context, there's some joking around, there's stories about how people went from uh KISS to other kinds of music, how it was like a, a gateway kind of music. Uh, yeah. It was this pretty is, good. This, this is the most endorsement I've ever done for a Reddit thread, by the way. <laughs> It's a good. It's six years old, but it's like a long rest. Yeah, as of as of this recording, it has over almost a thousand comments. Wow. Yeah. There's your further research, or you could join the Kiss Navy as previously uh, mentioned. <laughs> Get it from the source. Mm-hmm. That shall we move on to the spotlight? Sure. Right, time to time to paste in the spotlight, hitting control V. I'm gonna be talking about the spotlight for this week. This week I was reminded of a really cool company uh in Kitchener, Waterloo, uh also recently opened in Guelph, and what I'm told is the first virtual reality arcade in Canada. I guess first and second now. It is an organization called Control V, which you can find at ctrlv.ca. And basically, you can go to their their arcade. They have a bunch of booths set up that look like some sort of weird dystopian uh, light box thingy. It's really hard to describe. Hmm. Uh, where they have like I think they're HTC Vibes, which is the it's a headset you put on your head, headphones, and you have these little remote controls, and you can play a variety of different virtual reality games. Uh, I had the chance to check them out at GenreCon in Guelph, playing a game called In the Lab by Valve where it has their typical sense of humor as I was trying to report, repair Atlas, which is one of the, the robots in Portal 2, oh, yeah. like the cooperative mode. It was hilarious. It's like, open up the robot, and you're like, cool. And it's like, flick the switch, and I'm like, I know how to do that. And then it starts very rapidly speaking as this diagram of its face explodes. <laughs> like, Whoa. like, so you can see all the parts, and it's like, what am I supposed to do? And you're very clearly not supposed to do anything. Because it's just the humor of the game. And then the timer runs out and Gladys shows up. It's great. Um, <laughs> they have a lot of other games that you can play. Games where you can be an archer and um, feel like you're going to fall off a cliff. Even though you're very clearly just standing in a room. Virtual reality is amazing to what it does to your brain. <laughs> anyway, they recently opened a location in Guelph. And they have a location in Waterloo. And you can check that out at controlv.ca. And I would recommend it if you happen to be in southwestern Ontario. If not, look for your latest virtual reality arcade or look into virtual reality or buy an HTC Vive. I don't know, man. Just check it out. Check it Check it out. Check it's it happening. Out. Yeah, check it out. It's a thing. It's really cool. Check it out. We've, we tried 3D and we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so passe. We'll just move over to virtual reality. <laughs> 
If you're looking for a way to support this show that you're listening to right now, you should definitely head over to patreon.com slash the next cast. Why is that T? Well, you see, if you go to patreon.com slash the next cast, you can become a patron of the next cast. And what that means is every month you can pledge a certain amount of money from like, well, I guess as much as you want to as much as you want. Um, we have different reward tiers set up, uh, but you can pledge money to help support the next cast. What happens is that money goes to us and it helps us to produce the content that we make on a weekly basis which includes phanthropological which is the podcast you're listening to right now phanthropological arcade which is our weekly let's play with occasional bonus episodes it includes interviews that we do with other people to to show all the cool stuff that they are getting up to and sometimes includes interviews with people like tracy moore the original english voice actor of sailor moon uh yeah and basically you can go to patreon.com slash nextcast check that out uh, we have little reward tiers set up so that, you know, you can be rewarded for being a patron. That can range from getting an episode of the podcast early or chatting with us once a month or even just being up to date on cool things that we're working on that we don't post on our Twitter and our Facebook. Mm -hmm. No idea of the secret plans we have, but you will if you're a patron. <laughs> yeah. Also, you can check us out on iTunes. Love ratings, reviews, subscriptions. So you get this straight to your inbox every Friday uh, when it comes out. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook are all at the NixCast. You can find us there. And if you have uh, feedback or ideas for fandoms you'd like to see us cover, email us at nick at thenixcast.com. Yes, and to join in on the conversation on Twitter, be sure to use the hashtag Phanthropological. That's hashtag Phanthropological. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Next week, we better hop to it, because we're talking about craft beer. hop to it because we're talking about craft beer <laughs> oh i'm blindsided by that one <laughs> that's right gotta sneak it in there <laughs> <laughs> next week on the next cast we're oops next week on phanthropological we're going to be wasted on craft beer <laughs> or double entendre <laughs> Next week on Phanthropological, I podcast always. That's right. Ooh, IPAs. Ooh. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> IPAs. Ales. <laughs> porters. Stouts. We're going to talk them all <laughs> as we go over. You're, we're going to talk them all? Talk them all. <laughs> there are so many kinds of beers, guys. <laughs> Like, I was like, oh, maybe I can make a clever beer pun, and I'm just, there's like 30 different kinds of beers. You know, as a Canadian, there's nothing I like more than craft dinner.
What pairs well with craft dinner? That's right. Craft beer. We're talking about it next week on Phanthropological. Next week on Phanthropological, be sure to join us with the bathtub, some, uh, some, oh man, what are those tubes called? Like that. <laughs> what are those tubes? What tubes? The craft like beer tubes? tubes for for brewing. I don't think it will enhance any joke. No, no. We'll find out what those tubes are called next week on <laughs> Phanthropological. Beer is a harder one to do for this guys. <laughs> uh, next week we're gonna take a little bit of time, let the episode ferment as we deliver. A refreshing episode on craft beers. Next week on Phanthropological, it's four buds talking suds. (laughs) Oh my god, we're all named Nick. Yes. (laughs) Uh, There's like a pun about like four things making a nickel. Uh, Gotta dig. Next. Find it. Ah. Next week on Phanthropological, be sure to check the IBU. Be sure to check the IBU number to make sure that it will be to your taste of bitterness. That's right. We're talking about craft beer. (laughs) That's right. Next week. Wait, no. I've got. I've almost got something. So close. Next week on Phanthropological, make sure you're. Next week on Phanthropological. Make sure you're wearing long-sleeved shirts because we're all going to be polishing up the bar as we talk about craft beers. <laughs> next week's episode is, of course, 100% pure organic Nick. But, of course, next week when we talk about craft beer, we'll also contain 25% more of your favorite ingredient, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. That was so close. <laughs> Wasn't there. Next week's episode of Phanthropological contains at least 40% buffoonery by volume. We're talking craft beers. <laughs> it's really high for a beer. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> it is high for, like, I don't think there are beers that are 40%. No. no. I feel like it becomes a different thing at that point. This would be like barley wine or something. Yeah. Whiskey, but probably not whiskey. I mean, tend to be. That 10% is like the upper end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Is that is that it? Like, we got some stuff there. Next week on Phanthropological, trouble is brewing, but you don't have to sit distill for it because we're talking about craft beers. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Beer, beers are not distilled. The well is dry. The well is pretty dry. Okay. <laughs>